I hope you enjoyed the story suddenly. Thanks James for sharing it with us. Joseph's life had chopped and changed a lot. One minute he was in a safe family, the next he was a slave. And one minute he'd risen to the top job and the next he was in prison. Lots of things have changed in our lives and this can leave us feeling worried and upset. You might find yourself crying more than usual or struggling to get to sleep at night. Just remember, it's okay. A good cry can help and your sleep will improve over time. Your brain is just trying to catch up with all the sudden changes that have happened in your life. When Joseph's life was ending, he took a look back at all the changes that had happened, good ones and difficult ones, ones he would have asked for and ones he would not. He could see that even the bad things that had happened, God was able to use for good in his life and the lives of his family. Because he was eventually made prince of the whole land, he was able to help his whole family, even the ones who were mean to him. He provided them with food when they didn't have anything to eat. When our lives change suddenly, it can feel like everything we've known has been whipped away from us. But some things do remain the same and it's good to remember them. The biggest thing, the thing that will never change is God. He doesn't change. He is still with us. He hears our every word and he loves us. He has promised that he will use all things, even difficult things like lockdown, for good. I remember saying to my girls at the start of COVID lockdown, not to be sad. I said, we'll look back on this time as a family, as a very special time in our lives. I was in many ways actually excited. I really enjoy change and problem solving. But at that point, I didn't picture myself in bed sick with the virus and my family living in fear of what might happen. I didn't imagine the long-term implications of homeschooling and I certainly didn't imagine more than 20,000 people dead and the number still rising. I guess six weeks in, the reality has hit. This is our new normal, they say. Someone has described it as culture stock and another one as grief. We perhaps reacted differently at the start, but the cold reality has now set in. As Christians, we feel our way forward in these unprecedented times broadly in the same way as others. But we do have a peace others perhaps don't. We have a faith that allows us to rest in the knowledge that our God loves us. He is God now and he will still be God when this is over. When thinking about our situation, I was really struck by how many lives recorded in the Bible have been punctuated by dramatic changes of circumstance. Daniel, for example, taken as a slave to Babylon. One minute, he was part of the privileged ruling classes of Israel, ordering slaves around. And then next, a slave being told what to eat, where, learn, and even what to be called. In the New Testament, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, one minute is healing people and enjoying the favour of the crowd. The Holy Spirit is coming on thousands. And the next, He's in prison. And Jacob, 
One minute he was delighting and indulging his favourite and oldest son of the woman who he'd lost tragically in childbirth, and the next he was handed a blood-stained rag and inconsolable grief. Where was God in these three circumstances? These three are not unusual. On and on we see the lives recorded, all the highs and the lows. The Bible never paints an airbrushed picture of people's experiences or reactions. Through the experiences and reactions of those who've gone before us, we can learn to see God's presence and power at work, even in the most desperate times, learning from others' faith and failings. The Apostle Paul knew this as he wrote in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 5. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. It was therefore Paul's knowledge and understanding of God's word that enabled him to endure imprisonment, beatings, humiliation, and even death. So this morning, I wanna pick up on a few lessons from the life of Joseph that might provide us with the hope we need to endure in these difficult times. As we touched on already, Joseph's life was a roller coaster. He encountered huge pits that only God could lift him from. And through these circumstances, he grew in his understanding of the ultimate control of God over his and all people's lives. His story is one that enables the Apostle Paul to write the words, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. This is not that God causes all things, but rather that he works within and through all things for our good and his ultimate purpose. Joseph, you'll remember, was a favoured, a spoiled brat, to the point where his brothers despised him. It says that they couldn't say a good word about him. They hated him, and eventually this led to Joseph being thrown in a pit where his life hung in the balance. In the pit, we read that Joseph pleaded for his life with his brothers. They didn't kill him, but sold him into slavery. And they lived with the guilt of that decision for the rest of their life, every time they looked at their father's face. We might ask why, why did God allow this to happen? Next, we see Joseph enjoy 10 years of success, the head of an entire palace in Egypt, no small thing. And in these 10 years, Joseph's character changed, no longer favored, indulged and spoilt but rather he's now full of integrity and he's fully aware of the fortunate nature of his position. But here, unlike before, Joseph isn't hated for his bad behaviour, but rather the opposite. He is unwilling to do what is wrong and so he gets punished. Genesis 39 records the words of Potiphar's wife. Potiphar to his wife, sorry. No one is greater than I in this house, and my master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Not 
only has Joseph changed in his behaviour, but the God of his fathers spoke of, who Jacob wrestled with, has become Joseph's God too. In the country of thousands of God, Joseph clings on to the God of his father and his father's fathers. When things are hard, we know that at these moments we can choose to cling on or to reject altogether. These are moments where God wants to stretch our faith. Will we still trust him? Do we still believe that he is good and that he is God? Joseph ends up in another pit. He's plunged to the dungeons. He's a prisoner more than ever. And the question must have been going through Joseph's mind. God, what are you doing? What did I do wrong this time? And with no release date in sight, the days turn into weeks, the weeks turn into years. Here Joseph again works really hard. He's honest and full of integrity, but he becomes favoured and he's put in charge of the whole prison. And then one day, two prisoners who are assigned to him come who could be his way out of the pit. The two men are both from Pharaoh's court, the only man in the land other than his previous master who can pardon him. They share their troubling dreams with Joseph and Joseph asks God for help. Could this be God's plan? Could this be God's timing for Joseph's escape? But we read that the cupbearer on release, who promised to help, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. As days went by and the reality that he wasn't going to be released must have really kicked in for Joseph. I wonder how he felt about his new normal. In Genesis 41, we read a bit of an indication of how Joseph felt. It says, at the end of two years of days. The writer wants us to feel the extent of the weight after Joseph's encounter with that cupbearer. Never mind the time before that, which is simply recorded as sometime later. Our wait for being freed from lockdown, for finding a vaccination even, is so far just a little over 40 days. Joseph does 730 days before his next opportunity for release comes. Some of us can relate to long waits. We're waiting for God to free us from something or change our circumstances. And it really feels like days, perhaps far more than two years. But remember, Joseph has endured 11 years previous to prison. And so that makes 4,000. 745 days of waiting for God to rescue him. In these situations, we can ask why? Why is this happening, God? Why didn't God allow Joseph to be freed earlier? Well, we can certainly see the reasons in Joseph's life, how his character was changed, how he was humbled into a God-fearing leader. We can see how this time changed Judah from a hot-headed, self-absorbed man to a sacrificial leader of his family. We can see how God, knowing the future, was able to unfold events in order that Joseph might save the covenant people. And Joseph certainly acknowledges that when he sees his brothers and declares, But God sent me ahead of you 
to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He who made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler over all Egypt. Whilst we're waiting, it's not always helpful to try to figure out what God's doing. And often we can look back and we can't really see what God was doing even then. What stories like Joseph shows us is that although we may not see God's purposes in our waiting or feel like he's on our side, he is present and achieves his purposes for those he loves, his people. For Joseph, the covenant was made between God and his forefathers. For us, it's a covenant made in the blood of Jesus, God himself in flesh. We know that he loves us. He is for us and not against us. Paul shares his thoughts on this to his letter to Rome. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. You might be wondering, but what if I fail? My faith doesn't grow. I don't stretch. I reject God and push him aside because I'm quite frankly angry right now. Well, again, the testimony in the Bible is that God doesn't stop loving us. When we push him aside, he continually calls us back, seeking us out, drawing us back to himself. Can we go home? Yes. And we saw that last week. Let's keep praying for each other at this time that we grow as in our love of God and our trust of him as he stretches us in these uncertain times. And let us especially pray for people who are really struggling, who feel like they're failing to trust, that they would know the loving arms of Jesus around them. Amen.